Welcome to possibly the last Wednesday interview from the Sustainable Futures Report before September. I don't seem to have anything for next week at the moment. I'm Anthony Day and it's Wednesday the 20th of July. Yes, I know there's a lot of sustainability news and I will be covering that on Friday. For today though, we look at how the concerned consumer can be sure that a particular product has come from ethical sources. Well, today my guest is David Coleman, who's Chief Product Officer at IOV42. David, welcome to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Anthony. It's a pleasure. Now, concerned consumers want to know where what they buy has come from. They really want to know that every link in the supply chain can stand up to scrutiny, that materials come from responsible sources, and that all workers in the production process are properly rewarded. In a recent episode of the Sustainable Futures Report, I spoke to Shamit Ghosh of Trust Trace about how he can do this for the fashion industry. He can provide a tag with a QR code on it and scanning the QR code tells you exactly where that garment has come from right back to the original materials. Now, your company, IOV42, has linked up with Preferred by Nature to create Timber Chain, providing real-time supply chain data for timber. Before we get into that in detail, please tell us a little bit more about IOV42 and who is preferred by nature? Um, yeah, that's a that's, um, good question. Um, so IOV42 is, is actually, I guess or we can deal with the whole blockchain question you raised. Um, we're a blockchain company or a DLT company. It's probably better to say a DLT company. DLT? Um, and we like uh, distributed ledger technology. So, okay. so, so blockchain really is a is a subset of a wider group of technologies called distributed ledger technology, um, which is basically the whole a distributed database of transactions that happen between um, identities. Mm-hmm. Um, we we often talk about our, our, us being blockchain inspired rather than truly blockchain, but for a lot of people, the term blockchain is is a, is an entry point. So as soon as you say, yes, we're blockchain, they kind of have a reference point and where to place you um, relative to other organizations. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're a blockchain company or a DLT company um, has built our own technology, um, our own platform um, with specific goals in mind. So what do I mean by that? We're very much targeting its permissioned. We're very much targeting um, sort of enterprise and government type use cases. Um, and the other thing I'd say about it as well, as well as so, you know, technology is great, making it accessible to the businesses, business really, really important. So we spent a lot of time building the model between the business and the underlying technology. Um, and so, and that's what we use to, and apply to in timber chain. So timber chain is about taking that model and applying it to the, to the timber, timber industry, timber supply. Um, Preferred by Nature are a, um, one of the biggest um, certification not, um, agencies. So they will do things such as um, FSC certification. Um, they will also do auditing um, and not just in timber, in all kinds of um, you know, sustainability related um, industries. Um, and so they, they're very, they were like looking at this, the whole blockchain space, DLT space and saying, you know, this, this, this is a potential technology that could, could really help, um, you know, in this space, how do we create a more sustainable supply? Um, and so we got talking to them, they got talking to us 
Um, and then, and that's how it sort of kickstarted. They brought one of their clients, um, you know, who was an exporter out of um, Malaysia um, of, of tropical hardwood. Um, and so we, we built that first prototype with that organization and, and then we're expanding out, out from there. Okay, so this allows this timber exporter to be sure that the materials which it is exporting come from, if you like, certified forests or they come from responsibly managed um, plantations or forests. Is that correct? Yeah, it, 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 yes, it is. Um, but I would say, so it's more than certification now. And, and the reality is, so blockchain in these kind of applications has, has the problem of, you may have heard it, the garbage in, garbage out. Absolutely. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so blockchain is great at telling you something hasn't changed. It's not great at telling you that what was originally put in was correct. No, no, um, quite. So, so, so the way we've approached that and with this model that we built on top really allows for this kind of thing is that we believe in, the, in these kind of scenarios where you've got multiple organizations um, which have different roles and different parts throughout the supply chain, they put in the data, add in the data. It's about knowing the integrity of the data and the authenticity of that data and the origin of the data. Who provided the data? Are, can we hold them to account for providing the data, i.e. we know who it was who added it? Um, and then obviously, can we be sure that the data is still, you know, what they said it was at the time they, they added that data? So with our model, it's all about actually, it's about increasing that accountability. It's about also making it easier. We, the way I think of it is, is we're trying to make things easier for the, for the good actors and harder for the bad actors. That's really our goal. Um, really because there are... Yeah, there are real, there are people and organizations and, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be encountering them who really want to do the right thing. You know, they believe that um, they can be sustainable. They believe that, that we can source timber in a sustainable way. They are, I mean, I've seen so much frustration with the bad actors and, the, and they just want, they want to do as much as they can to, to make it hard for the, for the bad actors. And, and it's really, really nice to be able to help them and facilitate that, that, that objective. So your timber exporter can now assure his customers that it's an ethical product which he's providing to them. Now, does that go as far as giving that information to the final consumer? I mean, the person perhaps who buys a piece of furniture or uh, beams for putting in their house. So, so I think we're on the journey to that. The, the reality is, I mean, you can go down to your to your local DIY store and buy wood and and most wood you buy you know off the shelf in the high street has fsc stamps on it um or pfc stamps on it and so so people are kind of aware of that how much and and i think to a certain extent on the consumer side there's still an element of trust in there in 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 pure certification what we're actually seeing though I and mean, it's great you talked about consumers because i think the consumers have had a real big influence in all the change that we're seeing um you know the, the desire of the public that we've got to do something and the pressure they're putting on politicians to to try and do something about it so we're seeing a lot of regulation coming in and regulation is saying certification isn't enough we need more so when you if you're particularly the importer loads of the onus is being put on the importer in in all the different countries particularly this is the eu and 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 uk in particular but i know america is similar um and and elsewhere they're you know they're all looking at this really um so 
he's got to do his due diligence. He's got to understand he can no longer just no longer just concerned with his immediate supplier, who may be the exporter. But he's got to be thinking about tier two, tier three. You know, I've got to. They've got to actually be the, all the data as much data is available going all the way back, so they can do their due diligence, they can do their risk management, and they can be much more confident in saying yes, this has come from a sustainable source. Um, so they're currently there's that relationship with the exporter and the importer who have been the main driver initially. Now what we're doing is expanding it both further upstream. Um, you know, all the way back to source. You know, we we have the vision of, you know, loggers on the road with their mobile phones creating records that will go into the ledger, you know, and then flow downstream and then all the way through to the consumer. The challenge with with blockchain and DLT related technologies is is the um, education and, and understanding of what they're actually being told. Um, you know, what does it actually mean that this thing, you know, we don't want it to turn into a just an FSC stamp again, you know, being able to convey that. And so I think we're on the journey to, to that consumer involvement. But I think that we'll see that. I think because of the digital experiences that, um, you know, are being created for consumers, um, I think there'll be a way for them to consume sustainability as well um, through their devices. Right. Um, and, right. And start making choices based off, you know, what they're being told. Um, right. Uh, just a note on blockchain, one of the things that people continue to bring up when they're talking particularly about uh, um, cryptocurrencies, which are based on blockchain, that is the immense power use for a blockchain. Now, is that environmentally supportable? Is the benefit of tracing your timber uh, sufficiently important to offset the, the, the power? Or does your system not use as much power as a, as a Bitcoin miner and things like that? Yeah, so that was one of our very first, um, one of our primary concerns when when we first set out building this technology, um, as you know, as well as wanting to make build something that was scalable, um, as well as wanting to be able to do this mapping, you know, energy efficiency was 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 right up there, um, and really that a big part of that comes down to the choice of um, the consensus algorithm. So the the famous um, you know issues around um, Bitcoin and Ethereum is the whole proof of work. Um, algorithm so we don't use a proof of work um, you know and whilst that's been great in terms of you know it really got the world thinking about this idea of of DLT and blockchain and and consensus and what have you it's not a sustainable model um, we have to find better ones so obviously there's proof of stake um, you know which the, the jury's still out really in terms of um, you know how um, the security around it in terms of do you really get the consensus you want um, the other one's proof of authority, um, and that's the model we've gone with. So um, another way of thinking of proof of authority is staking your identity. So in, in a proof of authority network, actually, the, the organizations running the nodes are actually known. So it's very in stark contrast to a Bitcoin or Ethereum where you don't know who's running the nodes. In a proof of authority, you do know they're actually staking their identity. Um, and so um, if they do the wrong thing and they're kicked out of the network, then identity suffers and they don't reap any of the rewards of being part of the network. So that's that's the fundamental model we've gone with. We think it sits also much nicer in the enterprise space where actually knowing where the data is is really important. Knowing that who's running it fits in with the regulatory schemes that a business needs to fit into. All these kind of things are really important. Um, for us, identity is, is really key to the whole thing. It's very, very central. And whether it be identity of of um, you know organizations or individuals participating or the nodes 
um, or identity of, of the assets flowing through it as well. So it's a really big theme for us is identity. Okay, well, looking at a completely different area, but one which is very important to sustainability, I see from the website that you're, you've been working on carbon markets. Yeah, so so we've had a really interesting journey, um, and I think this is probably true of a lot of blockchain DLT things. You know, a, great, a technology trying to find the problems to solve, um, and part of that journey, part of that problem, because of the the model we've had, we we built, um, and the fact that it could be used across all kinds of use cases, that's been sort of a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, you know, because it's like oh, we've got this great thing which we can use all over the place. So where are we going to use it first? And so one of the very first areas we looked at was is the whole thing around carbon credits and the generation of carbon credits. Um, and actually in a way which is very quite quite closely related to the whole forest side of things as well. Because, um, you know, it's the same, same um, in, in, in the area we were looking at, it's the same source, it's the forest. So one of them is looking at forests that are being cut down in a sustainable way. And the other one was looking at forests that aren't being cut down at all <laughs> and being used as, as carbon sinks. So... Um, but being able to capture again, it's exactly the same sort of principles. You've got this carbon credit, um, or the which is a, which is a created asset off the back of of a forest. Um, how do I trust that that carbon credit really is what I'm being told it is? So there's where it's where the land that represented it, um, the fact that it's got approval to use. There's a an authority that has signed off the whole process, the methodology around it. Um, there's some satellite data that should be attached to it to confirm, you know, that it's still uh, still a forest. Um, so there's loads of data from loads of different sources, and you need to be able to attach those to the assets. So the time the carbon credit is presented to the market, um, whoever's looking at it can can make a judgment. They can they can say whether or not they trust. They can make the decision whether or not they trust the carbon credit really represents what they're being told it trusts. And that was one of the more fundamental things for us was that recognizing that trust is very subjective. Um, you know, we as IOV don't say you can trust this, you can't trust that. What we're trying to do is put the tools in people's hands so they can make the, the informed decision, um, you know, based on the data they're provided, based on the, the guarantees around that data. And then they make the decision, yeah, I trust that carbon credit, I'm going to buy it. Or I trust that wood, I'm going to buy it. Um, and we're taking that and we're looking at taking that principle beyond just timber, um, you know, into other um, things like cotton. Um, and soya and some of the other, you know, um, um, commodities, um, but also even further upstream, you know, like post-consumption, you know, the same principles can be used in terms of circular economy and recycling and what have you. Um, so, so yeah. Right. So will I get to the stage one day where I can scan a code on my restaurant menu and see where it's all come from? I think that's the. Um, I think that's the dream. Shall we say? <laughs> Um, how close we are to that, um, I mean, who, who's to say? I think one of the struggles we face, and we've been, and we try to be very, very careful with this, is that is the hype. I mean, I know you've been you've been involved and close enough um, in in this space to know that there's been a lot of hype around blockchain, mm -hmm. and we've seen the hype come and go and come and go and what have you. And we've had ICOs, and now we've got NFTs, and these things are damaging the technology perception of the technology um and so we really are very very careful about how we present it to businesses how we present it to um to, to to the wider public um to try and say look you know this isn't about hype this is about real business about real trying to make real differences um you know and and it's not about 
we haven't got a token for example you know we we i understand the ideas around token economy and incentivization but we're also seeing the harmful effects of it you know when when you when you create a gold rush you attract all kinds of of of, of parties you know like i said this is about the, the the good actors wanted to do the right thing how do we enable them um and, and that's where and that's where we focused our technology it's an interesting world isn't it and it's rapidly changing but, um... yeah it, it is rapidly changing there are huge challenges um you know um and and if 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 what we're doing with the technology and others like us you know we can make make those you know small differences and it all adds up um to what we're all trying to achieve so it's exciting it's exciting time at the same time you know with 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 big challenges you know there are opportunities to to make a difference that's what we're trying to do Yes, I think this is one of these topics that I'd like to revisit in, in a year's time. So maybe we'll we'll talk again in 12 months, because yeah. I think an awful lot could develop even in as short a time as that. Yeah, de definitely. I mean, we're, we're definitely seeing this from, it's funny, I talk about the, the hype cycle. I've also seen, you know, talking to people in industry at the peak where they're like, oh man, like say in banking, this can transform the way we do banking. And then literally a year later, I could almost describe these people as depressed about the technology, yeah. um, you know, so, so, and, and what I think is really happening is that there's been a great learning time through the hype of understanding what the technology can do, but also what it can't do. There was, there was, we saw far too much people trying to use blockchain for something that wasn't a blockchain problem. Um, but now people have gone on that journey and they're really starting to understand, well, actually it can help me with that. So let's actually use it for what it's good for rather than using it for what it's not good for. Um, and I think that's going to really help it mature as a technology um, where it, gets, it really gets applied in, in the right places. And you know, we want to we be one of those organizations that is helping people apply it in the right way. So where, where, where um, I always describe this as, as, as one of the most blockchain cynical blockchain companies if that makes sense <laughs> you know we, we really want people to use it in the right way in the right place and realize the value from it as opposed to discovering later that the value isn't really there so well that's a very important point to end on i think thank you very much david thank you for sharing your ideas uh, with the sustainable futures report thanks very much thanks for having me anthony Thanks to David Coleman from IOV42. As we sit here sweltering in record temperatures, well, actually it's Monday at the moment, it'll be interesting to see whether predictions come true. I shall be looking at them on Friday. There are dire predictions that there will be serious illnesses and fatalities as a result of this week's heatwave. We should know the truth by Friday. I will say that I've been walking around today and I'm surprised at the number of ladies with bare arms and bare shoulders. I think there's going to be some quite sore people very soon. We've been warned that unless we stop greenhouse gas emissions we can look forward to extreme heat like this every year from now on. My response to that is that even if we do stop greenhouse gas emissions the risk will remain. We have increased the concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere to a level which causes this sort of extreme weather. We can only avoid it by reducing the amount of greenhouse gas in the atmosphere. And that is possibly the greatest challenge facing humanity for all sorts of reasons. I'll be exploring all this on Friday. 
I'm always open to your ideas, so if you care to share your thoughts with me before Thursday, I can share them with the rest of the listeners. I've been looking at the possibility of vlogging, but I'm not convinced. A vlog, a video blog, might be a better product in some ways, but I'm assured that I have a great face for audio. Also, where do you listen to the Sustainable Futures Report? If you're driving, jogging, working out in the gym, or cooking, painting, or making a sculpture, you can't really watch a video at the same time. Maybe I'll do just one and see how it goes. I'll research it over August. I'll also research pop filters. For the moment, that's it. Thanks once again to David Coleman, and I'll be back on Friday. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. Until next time.